from a bar mitzvah at the Wailing Wall in Jerusalem to a temple procession in Taipei. The people of our world are passionate about their beliefs. Are you listening? Tune in to the sounds of your world on Radio Taiwan International. And thank you for joining us on Radio Taiwan International. I'm Leslie Liao, and coming up this hour, I have Ear to the Ground, where Andrew Ryan brings you some sounds from Taiwan, and Jukebox Republic with Shirley Lin, but I'm sure you guys know what it is. We're going to start off with some here in Taiwan. Welcome to Here in Taiwan. Today is Monday, January 20th. As I've said before, I'm your host, Leslie Liao, and joining me today is Mr. John Van Trieste. Hi there. And Miss Shirley Lin. Hello. On today's agenda, what exactly was it that made John think the Taipei 101 was glitching out? Well, turns out Curious John answered his own question. Next, elections might be over in Taiwan, but people get so invested that post-election blues is a thing. We'll tell you how to get over that, and I will tell you the story behind a classical Taiwanese favorite dish. All that and more coming up next on Here in Taiwan. John, so let's talk about this thing that you thought where the 101 was glitching out because the 101's a really big, big, big installation. It sure is. And uh, you can see it from far away. So if you had the idea that it was glitching out, I'm sure many other people had the same uh, same idea as you. Yeah, well, they do, like, project things on it from time to time. Yeah. Around mm. Valentine's Day, there are you can pay, like, a million dollars and have your love proclaimed to the whole city. Or there was one time where they made it look like a tree or something. It was all green. I don't know. Right. Um, but for the last couple days, maybe like, like the last week or so, like walking nearby, I noticed that like from far away, it looked like just like this weird, eerie red color, like solid red. And then later on, it would be like... I don't know, different, like, weird patterns, and I couldn't tell what was going on. And you know how sometimes when, like, you know, big screens sort of glitch out, they're like, no source found, and... Yeah, 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 like a, like a blue screen of death is yes, what they call it. Yes, that sort of thing. I thought, like, something like that was going on. It turns out it was an art exhibition that I didn't know about. Okay, so was this on all four sides of the building? It looked like just one of them. Which is why I was like, that That also was like why I thought maybe there wasn't some kind of error, because it was just on one side. Okay, so and tell us about this art exhibition, because this seems, if you don't tell these, tell people beforehand or get enough marketing out there, I can see this just being real confusing. I think you had to be like up closer than I was to tell what, what it was, because it was hard to tell from far away. But this is work by uh, Michael Lin, who was a Taiwanese artist. He says that this showcases the change from history to modern times. I had a hard time getting that, um, but, you know, this is why I don't host the art show here. Um, he explained that the pattern of traditional Taiwanese windows, which resemble ancient coins, were being projected on the Taipei 101. So those were the sort of patterny looking things I saw. I guess so. And uh, superimposed on the glass, which gave, according to him, the building a splendid kaleidoscopic appearance. Um, That's I, quite okay. the... Description. There you go. Um, and it says onto. It said that they were going to broadcast into onto the wall. So I guess I was right. Just one wall. It looks like. Um, this is 
uh, part of a cooperation between an arts group called Taipei Dangdai, which means like modern. Modern Taipei. Uh, with, uh Taipei 101. And uh, it just ended, actually. January 19th was the last day of this collaboration. How long was it going on for? When did it start? It looks like it was for just a, a few days. I don't think we saw any announcement about it, so nobody really expected it and just thought it was know. a mistake or something. Did it mean to blindside you? Or? No. Well, well, when they were when they were looking like a tree that time too, I thought they were, that's weird. Like it just it, it looks sickly. That's weird. It looks sickly. <laughs> like the building looks like like it's sick or something. I don't know, but they have the um they have the big LED display up from when uh, the New Year's happened, right? right they do light shows the on there. Yeah. yeah, for yeah. sure. Um, but they seem to have left it up this year. I don't. I thought they would just get oh, rid of it. Really? The, L, I don't know. the the big uh, hanging LED screen, but I don't know because like that that would seem confusing. I'm to me. I'm not sure how it was projected exactly, mm-hmm. but um, uh, anyway, uh, it looks like that's a, about done. It, apparently, this isn't the first time that they've worked together. It says based on previous collaboration, we hope to collaborate with the key landmark Taipei 101 during ta- Taipei Dangdai. This seems like it actually is an event, an arts event. It, um, well, More than just an exhibition. Right. Looks like we're, we're we're all three of us are beginners at learning what's modern art. I guess. I don't, yeah. <laughs> oh. Well, I mean, I, I I could get behind taping like fruit to the wall though, and you know, Nana. <laughs> that was. I would like. I would. I can do that kind of art. I was never good at it at school, but that kind of thing, I'm I, fine. Right. Like a big. Pass old, the fruit. <laughs> like a big stripe. Yes. Who knows? Anyway, that's. Curious John answering his own question on here in Taiwan. Very special edition. Now, it's been probably seven years since I've been away from the States, and um, I just can't remember ever having an ATM when I needed it. Does that ring a bell with you guys? Usually, like, where I grew up, you'd have to drive to one. Yeah. Right, the they're only not, places not you like can around. Really, the only places you could really find them are outside banks. Outside banks, in some like bigger stores too, maybe. Yeah, um, casinos have them. I know that we don't For have sure. casinos, <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, they're they're not quite everywhere. Yeah. Anyway, uh, but in Taiwan, there just seems to be an abundance of I don't know if it's banks, but ATMs seem to be everywhere. everywhere. Um, multiple places have multiple ATMs. The banks have three or four ATMs. Every convenience store, store has, has an ATM. ATM. And I mean, it's it's smart, right? Because yeah. if you, A, don't have enough money, you can't buy stuff. And B, once you do have money, there's all kinds of stuff that you suddenly want to buy. Yeah, not only that, but ATM fees in Taiwan are horrendously low. And I mean horrendously in a good way. I mean, it, it was, uh, I think it's about 5 NT per cross-bank transaction. Which means if you want to take money out of a, an ATM that doesn't belong to your bank, it's 5NT, which is about, I don't know, like 15 cents in America. It's not very mm-hmm. bad. Though. In America, it's like $2 at least, which is 60NT. Oh. And I saw some legislators think that 5NT is still too high. They're just like, banks are robbing the people. Wow. They're making too much off of these transaction hmm. fees. I am not here for it. Well, it's like our healthcare system. <laughs> it's, things are cheaper here. Anyway, Taiwan apparently has the triple the average of ATMs in all of Asia. We have 157 ATMs for every 100,000 adults in Taiwan. We need our money. I mean, and, and and I think Taiwan's also very uh, very much a cash-based society, yeah. but we are way ahead of the competition. Like Japan, 
127.59. They come out in second place. And as I recall, because I studied there, mm. um, at least where I was, the ATMs actually close. Is that right? After a certain time of night, yes. Oh, 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 after certain, okay, okay. How does that work? They just shut down, or? That's what I remember happening, so you had to make it by a certain time to withdraw cash. It sort of, fascinating. Can, in a sense, defeat the, I don't know if that's still the case. This was a number of years ago, but. I think um, that's a safety measure. Wow. But that sort of defeats the purpose also, because the <laughs> idea is to always have access to your money without the need for a teller. Yeah. Okay. But, um, and uh, Hong Kong which is a huge financial hub, which I thought like the cash would be flowing around down there, 51.8. So we have triple the number of ATMs that it, Hong Kong has. Oh. Singapore, also a very big financial hub, 66.46. Now, I thought about like why this might be, and one thing that popped into mind is that Taiwan has so many different banks. It's true. Yeah. Oh. And um, I did a little bit of research before this. Do you guys want to venture to guess how many domestic banks there are? Not like international, like HSBC mm. or things like that, well, just the domestic. Is, there's like all these co-ops and farmers unions and fishermen's yeah. unions. So they're <laughs> not like necessarily big, like a local fishing harbor will have its own bank. Yes. And so I, that really uh, makes them proliferate. Actually... Uh, when you want to make a transfer here, it's very difficult. And the reason for that is you have to search through a whole lot of banks. Yeah. Before they have a touch screen, and it can take a while to find the designated number. All right, so um, give us a hint. The number is three digit, four it's, digit? It's two digits, Oh, but it's still pretty impressive because it doesn't really include all the local co-ops that John says. Um, um, we have uh, just the, the banks that are all over, established as actual banks and institutions. And the interesting thing is Taiwan kind of has not just a centralized bank, but they also have you know, another federal bank in the form of the post office here. That's mm. true. Yeah. Postal banking is very big here. It's huge. Anyway, yeah. there are 40 domestic banks like companies and that, like I said that doesn't include any of the big ones and that's crazy to me I'm just like that's it's such a small island where's this room <laughs> well I don't know there's a lot of banks where I come from in the states too a lot of local smaller ones but I, guess, I think maybe like because of Taiwan's size it's impressive mm. yeah that is very impressive and maybe you it's know, all for the sake of convenience you know uh, there is a trade off though we have the world's longest ATM screens because they love to shove in advertisements while they you're do. withdrawing your cash, and they it's like, do. no, I don't, no, I don't need this. I don't no, need I don't this. want this points. I and don't you can need play like different games. Yeah, and then I'm, there's like, I'm just, lottery. I need cash. No, stop. It's like you have to press the no button like 50 times just to get your money. So. Well, here's the thing. Taiwan is becoming more and more digital. I believe we had a story about how like electronic payments are becoming more and more popular in Taiwan. Yeah. So we are trying to remove our ATMs. But even for now, in a place where... You know, traditional cash transactions are on the downtrend. We still have a lot of ATMs. That's just something to keep in mind. All right, Shirley, so you have this story about election blues. Now, the elections were about, I want to say, maybe nine days ago at this mm -hmm. point. And um, are people getting bummed out? Is this a thing that's happening at hospitals? Well, look at this. Um, we're seeing a 20% surge in the number of people who go to their doctors and saying, and they're diagnosed with having post-election stress disorder. Is that a real diagnosis? <laughs> well, um, just depression. This is a, yeah, I know. Um, it's this is according to Li Jun, the director of Zhongshan Medical University Hospital's Division of Psychosomatic Medicine. Mm. Okay, so um, basically, some of the symptoms are like unease, feeling of anxiety despondency, irritability, difficulty sleeping, headaches, 
tightness of chest and dizziness. So recently, there was a 62-year-old woman surnamed Chen. Now, her family members were saying that she has high blood pressure and diabetes to start off with, but she was very involved in politics for the last two or three months, even before the elections. Mm -hmm. And as she was experiencing some insomnia and muscle tenseness before the election, and then I guess after the election was despondency, insomnia, and inability to control her emotions. And uh, these I emotions. Guess, I can guess who she voted for. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and so then uh, you know these emotions led her led to a spike in her blood sugar level and blood pressure. And so the hospital urged Chen, who was already put on antidepressant and uh, given a muscle relaxant, to change her daily habits. Okay, so how do you go about doing that? Um, basically, uh, just distance yourself from all the news in the post-election season and divert these people's attentions elsewhere. Like, for example, take a walk, go on a trip, or begin exercising, according to this Dr. Lee. And um, people have been experiencing difficulty sleeping, uh, should exercise in the morning, and avoid topics that might upset them up to two hours before bedtime, okay? Before bedtime. And if they fail to fall asleep within 30 minutes, people should try activities that will help them relax. But uh, people should seek medical treatment if they have difficulty sleeping for two weeks in a row. That's pretty serious. It's bad because we were talking about how the period leading up to the election was making people sick. And now we have the period after the election to worry about, too. This is yeah. just a full, you full know. Win. You don't know how long this is going to go, yeah. Now, um, according to Cai Huijun, who's a traditional Chinese medicine doctor in Taizong, um, I believe it's a she, she uh, recommends listening to soft music or taking a bath and uh, avoid caffeinated beverages in the afternoon and the evenings and uh, to have eggs, milk, or other foods rich in calcium and protein because these things help, uh, help with sleep. And now, get paper and pen if you want to put down this concoction to, uh, you know, make for yourself. Drink a brew of porier. It's like What's a fu shen. That's the Chinese name of it. Blighted wheat. This all, so, this all sounds like <laughs> medieval potion ingredients, yes. man. <laughs> that's I blight your wheat. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, lily bulbs. That's by her. Mm. Licorice. And then ground dried date pits. And put that all in a concoction and drink it. Those? Yeah, that sounds very, very traditional. That just well, yeah, you never know. It probably works. You know, that's how it is with Chinese medicine. Coffee is just a great catalyzer for your political irritability. Don't drink coffee; it's going to mm. send you. And I think it's kind of difficult to get away from all of the, you know, the the, the TVs and stuff like that. They're on. Maybe even like the small food stalls in the restaurants. Yeah, yeah. they're always all tuned to those stations. Can you imagine are... just wanting a fried rice and then just flipping it out because someone turned on the TV? <laughs> oh, okay, all right. I mean, I think it's, I don't know. It, <sighs> Some of the banners and billboards are still around too, so those yeah. constant reminders. Some uh, of them well, might still okay. be up for a little while. Mm. Like sometimes oh, you see wow. these like bus the size of the buses. They don't get changed for years at a time. Sometimes. <sighs> years. Well, I guess people are just so tired. They, they, they say, oh, that can all wait, right? But, you know, according to psychiatrists, it says uh, another thing is to find new goals in life. Like, Leslie, you say you want to run for, for the next election? No, I want to run for a uh, magistrate. <laughs> no, not magistrate. It was uh, just borough head. 
chief borough chief well, you better be careful <laughs> that's a serious that's thing still... like your neighbors are going to be all over you oh yeah you're, you're... and the slightest problem you're going to have to it becomes your problem well yeah like the stories in here in taiwan definitely help out especially the ones about like calling the borough chief to get rid of a lizard yeah that kind of thing so oh. all in a day's work all in a day's work hopefully that won't result in too much political fatigue Alright guys, uh, Eastern Taiwan, Ilan, is known for a certain dish. It's called the cherry duck. Have you guys tried it before? We call it the ying tao ya. I know okay, the ducks, yeah. uh, duck meat is famous there, generally. Yes. yes. Oh yeah. And um, there's, a, there's a place over there that's very famous for its cherry duck. Have you ever had it, Shirley? I might have. I just didn't know that that, that was cherry no. duck. But- what are they fed cherry blossoms? Well, like you something? see, that's exactly the thing. Like people are always just like, "Oh yeah, cherry duck this, cherry duck that," but people don't really know why it's called cherry duck. And uh, does it include cherries? It does not include cherries. <laughs> funny enough, it's actually it goes way, way, way back. Um, anyway, long story short, what happened was you know Beijing Peking duck, very, very popular, even in the states, very popular dish. And um, the ducks that were originally used for uh, Peking duck came from the northern region of China. Now, what happened was uh, Peking duck caught on in America, and America started importing Peking duck. But when Peking duck started getting popular in Europe, actually, the UK found that they had a very good uh, breed of duck that was very, very well suited to become Peking duck and this this place came from a place called Cherry Valley Farms. So they bred a duck specifically for Peking duck. And when it came to Taiwan, people found that traditional Peking duck isn't bred as easily in Taiwan as uh, the cherry duck. So the cherry duck, that's why it caught on so much in popularity because they're much more geared for life in Taiwan than they are for life in anywhere else. Elon has, has some interesting dishes with interesting names. I'm thinking of the cow's tongue, which is a biscuit. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, yeah, tongues, no tongues, are involved. Biscuit. no tongues are involved. They also have... Um, Cherry duck with no cherries. Cow uh, tongues with neither cows nor tongues. Green onions <laughs> that share the same name, Chinese name as Samsung. Samsung, that's right. <laughs> so they call it the Samsung uh, the scallion. Samsung scallion pancakes, yeah. Yeah, so anyway, that was just a bit of a history lesson or a bit of a lesson to close out here in Taiwan. And that's about all the time we have for today, for here in Taiwan, I've been Leslie Liao. I'm John Van Trieste. And I'm Shirley Lin. Coming up next, Ear to the Ground and Jukebox Republic. Do not go away.
Of course, I know that Taiwan is a tea country. In fact, it has some of the best teas in the whole world, like Tia Guanyin or High Mountain Oolong or Oriental Beauty. But for me, I rejoice every day in the fact that you can also get a great cup of coffee here too. I'm Andrew Ryan, and in today's Ear to the Ground, the perfect cup of morning Joe. 贴紧台湾的羊耳朵 ，an ear to the ground. If you think that the best part of waking up is Folgers in your cup, then perhaps you won't get today's program. Now I'm no coffee snob, but I do have my own coffee grinder, and now and then I like to go to a proper cafe. Of course, I'll go to a chain store. I do it all the time, but I really love going to a cafe where the owner believes in his or her craft. You know, kind of an interesting place. It's got its own style, not just a cookie cutter version of a coffee shop. Taipei, believe it or not, is full of cafes. This has got to be one of the few cities in the world where these independent cafes still exist. In most places, like New York City, for example, it's almost impossible to make a profit by running a coffee shop. You have to sell food and expensive food at that. But it seems like in many parts of Taipei, especially wherever you can find students, you can also find inexpensive cafes that offer not only a cool environment in which to rest your heels, but also a great cup of coffee. Last year, I took a trip down to the southernmost tip of Taiwan to the town of Hengchun. On an overcast day, I wandered into a cafe that was attached to the southernmost bookstore in all of Taiwan. I figured if you can't go to the beach, why not find a little sunshine and a cup of hot coffee? Actually, I remember it was a very cold, blustery day in midwinter, so definitely not a beach day. Inside the Moonbeam Cafe, there was this young guy behind the counter called Alan. He was the only guy in the shop, and he was happy to make me a cup of coffee and dish up a little advice about where to go for fun. And that's an experience I'm going to share with you right now. Me sitting next to the counter, Alan, the barista behind the counter, preparing all of his different tools to make my cup of coffee outside a windy, windy Hengchun. He starts by grinding the beans. I watch him work, and I can tell that he's a barista who takes his craft very seriously. Once he's got the beans ground to perfection, he turns off the machine and he tamps the ground espresso into the portafilter. He bangs it occasionally so that it settles into place. Then he places two shot glasses down under the spout, on top of a tray, and locks the filter in place. And then begins running piping hot water through the beans and into the shot glasses. The next step is preparing the milk. He fills a pitcher with milk, secures the thermometer in place, and begins steaming it at a temperature of between 155 and 165 degrees Celsius. He takes extra care to ensure that the steam wand is inserted diagonally, just below the surface of the milk. That helps to create the froth that you need for a good latte. Next, he pours the steamed milk into the cup, jiggling it just so. With a layer of foam with a beautiful design on top. Then he places the cup down in front of me, and it's ready to drink. Yep, I love cafe culture and the sounds and the smells, and of course the taste as well. 
Now, the first time I recorded Alan making this cup of coffee, something pretty funny happened, and it ended up ruining the recording. A trash truck came by playing music, and that's all you could hear in the recording. A couple of minutes later, the same trash truck came back down the street going the other direction. I guess we shouldn't have been surprised. After all, that street out front is pretty much the only street that cuts straight through the town of Hangchun. But just as well that that happened, because it meant that Alan had to make another cup of coffee, and that, of course, meant more for us to drink. But even without the extra cup, I loved watching Alan do what he does best, especially since he's the kind of barista that knows what he's doing and insists upon perfection. It's almost like an exercise in meditation, watching the process from bean to cup. Next time, I'll have to make a trip to some of Taiwan's new up-and-coming coffee plantations to trace the process directly from the ground. With an ear to the ground, I'm Andrew Ryan. Just tuned into Jukebox Republic. I'm Shirley Lin at Radio Taiwan International. Well, in just a couple of days, it will be the year of the rat, according to the Chinese lunar calendar. Now, my dad is a rat. That is, that he was born in a rat year. My mom says that he doesn't like cats because of that. I don't know if that's true, or they're just making a joke out of it. But、um, anyway, I found some songs having to do with rats and、uh, or mice. Um, I actually have some personal rat stories to tell, and、uh, some of the songs you might find funny. So before I tell about my rat stories, here's this one by Chen Shen and Eason Chen. It's called "Lao Su Rat." <laughs> Is it? 
在住在东头，华西街住在华西树，有豆浆吃的是永和树，还有跑去一般是那个。Apologize for two things. That's actually Chen Shen, not Chen Yixun. So,、uh, it's not Yixun Chen. Anyway, that's Chen Shen. And the name of the song, to be more specific, it's called "Long Live the Rat." So I'm going to start telling you about my rat stories. You wouldn't believe this, but since coming back to Taiwan, some of my friends call me Princess. To be exact, they say I have the Princess Syndrome. Well, it's a term、um, that you use on someone who's、uh, considered to be,、uh, you know, to have signs of narcissism, egocentrism, and materialism. It's a term in East Asia, actually, for calling a woman. Yeah, not men, but calling a woman princess syndrome. I guess it's because they know I've had a pretty smooth life growing up. You know, having lived abroad in several countries, went to college in the states, and all that. Oh, there's another term called "born with a golden spoon in my mouth," 含着金汤长大 like I was born into a rich family. Anyway, maybe in comparison to some people, but I never, never, it never crossed my mind to call myself someone was born with a golden spoon in a mouth. You know, in my mouth. You know,、um, I, I, I never. You know, and、uh, when someone said that to me years ago, I was really shocked.、Um, The thing is that I grew up with a strict dad, okay, and the only thing he cared about was my grades. Well, my my brother and I, he only he only cared about our studies.、Um, although now、um, my relationship with my dad has grown much much better in the last three or four years, we've grown more chummy than before. I'm never I'm not tense around him anymore, and I was actually, but you know, I was not a happy girl growing up. Anyway, why am I saying all this? Because after what you're going to hear next, you'll never call me princess again. For about nine years after coming back to Taiwan, we lived in an old, rundown, well, an old one-story house in Taipei. We started having rats in the kitchen, and I'm saying rats, not mice. We're talking about the big ones, the rats. I asked my in-laws, you know, who used to live there, what to do. So they say, go buy a trap, and I did. 
The first time I caught one of the rats, uh, I didn't know what to do with it, so I threw it while it was still alive, together with a brand new trap in the garbage. I put in, you know, put it all in a plastic bag and then tossed it in the rest with the, you know, and threw it in the garbage truck. So later I realized that my in-laws actually had an old rusted uh, trap somewhere in the house, so I started using that to catch the next fourteen more rats. After that. After that first time, I learned a few tricks. I would put newspaper, old newspaper, under the cage. It's really more looking like a cage, you know. It's a metal trap, metal cage trap, with a springy, you know, a door to it. Anyway, I would put newspaper under the cage because once the rat gets caught, it would start getting really scared and nervous. It would pee everywhere and poop everywhere. So that's one. Lesson I learned, and I learned how to hook a small savory piece of cooked meat in such a way that the gate would snap close as soon as the rat took a bite of the meat. And then, well, guess what I do after I caught the rat? Well, I drown it. Yep, I drown it. I know it's cruel, but that was the only way to do it.、Uh, we used to have a big garbage bin,、um, and I would fill it with water. Put the cage with the rat inside and drown it, and then I would、uh, open up the cage, pop the dead body into a bag, and throw it away. And I did that fourteen times. I'm sorry you have to hear all that. I'm actually pretty proud of myself, considering that another adult member in the house is afraid of rats, and me trying to do all that, you know, like catching the rat,、um, getting out the house. Getting it drowned and all that, I'd do it all out of sight of my three little kids who were little then. Of course, they've grown up now, so you know how many years ago that was. So that I didn't scare my little kids while they were watching the TV, because you know I had to walk in front of them as they were watching TV in the living room, and I would、uh, kind of like try to hide the rat and the cage together,、um, you know, keep them out of their sight. Anyway, I did that fourteen times. Yes, yes, I did. Well, let's have a listen to another rat song. Here's one by Wang Qiwen. The song name is "Lao Su Ai Da Mi,"、uh, something like "Rat Likes、uh, Da Mi." I don't know rice, big grains of rice.
像老鼠爱大米，不管有多少风雨，我都会依然陪着你。我想你，想着你，不管有多么的苦，只要能让你开心，我什么都愿意。这样爱你。声音有种特别的感觉，让我不断想，不敢再忘记你。我记得有一个人永远留在我心中，哪怕只能够这样的想你。想会实现，我会加倍努力，好好对你，永远不改变。不管路有多么远，一定会让它实现。我会静静在你耳边对你说，对你说，我爱你，爱着你。就像老鼠爱大米，不管有多少风雨，我都会依然陪着你。我想你，想着你，不管有多么的苦，只要能让你开心，我什么都愿意。这样爱你。像老鼠爱大米，不管有多少风雨，我都会依然陪着你。我想你，想着你，不管有多么的苦，只要能让你开心，我什么都愿意。这样。像老鼠爱大米，不管有多少风雨，我都会依然陪着你。我想你，想着你，不管有多么的苦，只要能让你开心，我什么都愿意。这样爱你。
便鸟车甲鸟也有可能看爱路过。鸟车爱世界，过去我陪你来世，牵手来世界。虽然阮加减会歹势。A second song just now, and that was "Lao Su Ai Guang Jie," mice like to go shopping, uh, by Wang Ruixia. Well, I do have other rat stories to tell, but I'm not going to bore you with them. Um, yeah, rat stories actually all happen in the same house. Um, but I have to say that maybe because of that, of those encounters with you know, catching like 15 rats, I was pretty calm when I came upon a rat carcass years later. Well, what happened was that I was a volunteer for project to uh, to help clean the homes of these low income, live alone elderly in a certain community in Taipei. We were equipped with face masks and gloves and garbage bags, and that's it.、Uh, we went in one apartment, and there was trash strewn all over the place. We started picking up everything with our gloved hands. I went in the kitchen. It was kind of dark, even though it was daytime.、Um, he had no electricity. He had no lights, I guess. And I vaguely saw in one corner something dark on the floor. I knew from the look of it that it was a dead body of a, you know, of a mouse or maybe even a rat. Um, I picked it up along with the rest of the trash and and threw it away, like it was nothing. 
a friend of ours just stayed outside this apartment. He she didn't dare, you know, go inside because it was pretty. Uh, yeah, it was pretty dismal. Later, she told me how she thought I was very brave, and that was when she told me that somebody else had told her that I've got the princess sickness. Of course, I was surprised and I just smiled. Yeah, that was the time when I heard that someone called me a princess. Well, after all my experiences with rats and that this is the year of the rat, I'll just have to think that all my encounters with rats must mean good luck. Thank you so much for joining me on Jukebox Republic. I hope you enjoyed the stories about rats, and、uh, let's all welcome in the year of the rat. I'm Shirley Lin at Radio Taiwan International, and one last song. This is from Mayday. The song is Mickey Mouse, Mi Lao Su.
Thank you for listening to Radio Taiwan International, broadcasting from Taipei, Taiwan. Check out our website at english.rti.org.tw. Again, that's english.rti.org.tw for the latest news and features from Taiwan. You can also listen to our programs and watch videos as well. Our 60-minute English language program can also be heard every day at the following times and frequencies. In southern China and South Asia from 1600 to 1700 UTC on 6180 kHz. Again, that's in southern China and South Asia from 1600 to 1700 UTC on 6180 kHz. And in Southeast Asia from 0300 to 0400 UTC on 15320 kHz. Again, that's in Southeast Asia from 0300 to 0400 UTC on 15320 kHz. We'd love to hear from you. Please send your comments to P.O. Box 123-199, Taipei, Taiwan. Again, that's P.O. Box 123-199, Taipei, Taiwan. Or send an email to rti at rti.org.tw. Again, that's rti at rti.org.tw. Also visit us on Facebook. The address is fb.me forward slash Radio Taiwan International. Once again, on Facebook, we're located at fb.me forward slash Radio Taiwan International for videos, photos, and news of interest from Taiwan. Thank you once again for listening to Radio Taiwan International.